0: Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity, and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Durani, And I'm your host. Hey, Wanda. Hi, how are you? I'm excited. I'm, I'm doing well. And I'm excited because I hadn't seen I haven't talked to you in a while. And now we get to talk two days in a row. This is day one of <laughs> uh, of two. So this is really great. So um, it's important for me to have you on. Uh, you know, initially I was only interviewing men, and then I realized, you know what, women have awesome stories to tell too. And just because I like I'm the men's guy, you know, I want to, you know, um, there's so much to learn from stories from both men and women. And uh, you have an amazing story, and you're doing amazing things now. So if you're okay with it, we can get right into it. And uh, and in order to capture the essence of Wanda Howard, um, you've gone through a lot. Uh, I'd love you to s- just share with us um, the part of your life that was the most impactful that got you to really get to know yourself better.
1: Oh, that's a good question. So, to clarify, I guess, um, are you wanting to know like the hard stuff that got me here or this the bright stuff that got me out of the hard stuff? <laughs>
0: I'd love to know both because, okay. you know, it usually takes a big challenge for us to go through in order to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Failure is actually a blessing that people don't realize. So I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to hear the difficult challenges you went through that forced you to get through it and thrive.
1: Okay. So for me, um, I suffered with depression my whole life and anxiety and ADHD and, um, Bipolar and just, I had a whole lot of mental illness that I was baggaging around and trying to just survive with. Um, And one of the, for me personally, that was so frustrating with it is when as a kid, I didn't know anything about mental illness at all. I had no idea that's what was going on with me. I just thought I was broken And, um, it was also really sad that my parents, the people who I looked up to the people who I saw how much they were working, I saw how much they were doing. They had nine kids to take care of. And my mom was also in a wheelchair. And so my dad was constantly like juggling everything. My mom was trying to keep sane with losing her ability to walk. And, and I just saw how much that they were trying to do for us kids. And I felt like I was such a terrible human being for being miserable. I'm like, I should, like, I love what they're doing. I love them. I, I'm i grateful for all that they do for me. And I hate life and I'm miserable inside. And I, I, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be better? Why, why am I not a better daughter? Why am I not just more grateful for things? And I just felt very, it w- it was this continual downward spiral where because of the depression and constantly mm-hmm. just feeling, nothing. (laughs) Depression, there's the point where you're like, you just feel sad. But then beyond that, you just are numb. And that's what I felt most of the time. I was just numb. And in order to feel something, I would try to make myself sad because that was the only time I could feel anything at all.
0: Did you know Uh, why you felt that way? Were were there like certain things that occurred that that you realized caused this or you just this came out of the blue?
1: Well, so there there's lots of things. And I love the discussion of depression because, um, in my understanding, the way it was, it has been explained to me and what society kind of deems is what depression is, is it's a hormonal imbalance, it's genetics or it's from situations. Um, but that there's no real fix to it that after you get it, you just have to deal with it for the rest of your life. Um, so for me personally, I, it was definitely genetics through my family, like my, mm-hmm. like as far back as I can find in history, each of my ancestors on my dad's side struggle with it. And then my dad as well. And my mom struggles with it. And so it's definitely, um, generational, <laughs> it's definitely something that is genetics, but it's, I, I thought and I had genetic testing done that confirmed all of that as well, but I thought that if it was genetics, that I was just doomed to deal with it forever because that's what the doctors were telling. That's what everybody was saying, yeah, but also on top of that, there was a lot of situations that was hard. Um, mm-hmm. again, my parents had these that uh, had depression and all this mental illness as well, but in their time, it really wasn't a discussion. there wasn't any help for it. there was right. no like, so they were, they were flying blind as well. And then they had their nine kids to take care of. Um, and so they were, they were very much at the end of their ropes on every, in every category. And so they were, were a, learning
0: a lot from that. You were, yeah. you were right Because usually children like kind of emulate their parents' behavior because that's all they know. So you were learning a lot, you know, aside from the genetics piece, you were learning how to act that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, it was very much passed down yeah. just through. Their own behaviors because mm-hmm. they were acting the way that they knew how to. <laughs>
0: right. So, yeah. geez, with, with all of that, um, I mean, you're talking like at a very young age too. You were feeling this way. So, so how deep in that depression did you get that you realized that you can control your Brain, in essence, because I know you did a lot of work with that and realized it wasn't your fault, and you can yeah. become a better person. How did that all happen?
1: Yeah. So, as I'm trying to trying to think, it's so crazy. How do you put an entire lifetime and <laughs> packaged neatly? You
0: know, it is hard.
1: <laughs> but when when I was four years old, I already felt. I still remember as a four-year-old kid, my biggest dream was to help families feel whole, to help kids feel wanted in the world and to help parents feel like they were doing enough. And like, I just wanted to help the bond between parents and children as a four-year-old. That was like my biggest dream. Um, And the reason why was because I felt unloved. I felt unwanted. I felt not enough. I, I just felt so alone. Right. And, um, it's really interesting because looking back in memories, like I can see times where my parents did things that I, I do believe that they were trying to show me that they loved me, mm-hmm. but in that effort, every time it was stop, <laughs> just be better. <laughs> we love you. Just be better. Don't have any problems. Just be better. And were you the that youngest of nine? Um, I was the youngest of seven. Okay. And so I was the, considered the baby of the family. And then seven years later, so when I was seven years old, my parents had twins. Okay. So there are, okay. gotcha. there are twins, okay. but
0: yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, so it was, it's very interesting just because um, oftentimes I feel like, especially as parents, we feel like. If we're doing a good enough job loving our kids yeah. that they won't hurt, they won't go through pain. They won't have struggles. They they'll be confident in all these things. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. Yeah, if not- you love your kids, <laughs> then when they're going through struggles, you're just there for them and you don't mm-hmm. you don't reflect it onto yourself. And my parents didn't know how to do that. Every time I struggled, mm-hmm. they immediately pinned it on themselves and blamed themselves for it. And so if if they saw me struggling, it was it wasn't about me anymore. So I just, I learned very at a very early age to keep things to myself, to not be open with what I was going through, to just conceal everything. Right. Um, and then when I was about, I, I, I don't remember as a kid, not ever, like, I never remember a time where I didn't wish I was dead as a kid, like every single day of my life, right? I, I just wanted to ease the burdens of those around me. I Um, I wanted my family to be better when I was born. That's when my mom started losing her ability to walk. And so that affected the rest of the family. And so, and then it was, I was another mouth to feed money was always super tight and food was always a question of where that would come from. So, um, I just wanted to alleviate the burden that I was on my family because I loved them. So I don't remember a time where I didn't where I didn't want to die. I, Mm -hmm. I always just wish that I didn't exist, that somehow I could just be eliminated from everything. Um, And then it was really interesting when I was about nine years old, my aunt started, uh, she told me about this person that we knew that had depression. And -hmm. that was the very first time, or maybe I was, I was somewhere between seven and nine, but um, she told me about this lady or this girl that had depression and said and I was like what is that I've never heard that before and she explained it a little bit and and then she wasn't even sure exactly how to explain it either Mm -hmm. and so she basically just said it's just where you're sad all the time and you don't know how to be happy Mm
0: -hmm. and there was
1: two things happening in my brain Mm -hmm. one I had seen this girl and she was always smiling and bubbly and like she she looked happy so I was like how does that fit But the other thing that I was thinking was, man, I can't even imagine feeling that way because like to always be sad, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: I already wish that I was gone. I already wish that I wasn't even here. So to have that on top of it, I didn't Mm. in my young brain, I didn't put the two and two together (laughs) that because I was so weighed down, like that is what I was going through. Yeah. So. Wow.
0: So so that I mean. Finally, hearing a family member mention the word depression, when you got a little older, did you connect the two when you started to realize that you had it too?
1: It wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 years old yeah. that I I started hearing the phrase more, and I don't really remember where it came up. and but I started hearing about depression more right. and I started wondering more and more, is that what I have? Is that mm. what's going on with me? And um, maybe I need to talk to somebody about it. Maybe like, is there help for this? Yeah. And so I went to my dad and I asked him like, "What? It is this something that I have? Is this a real thing? And his response at that time was um, he's like, Nope, depression is not a real thing. That's just, uh, a uh, what? What's the word to use? I can't think of that exact phrase, but just a uh, way to get out of your responsibilities and take the easy route and not actually okay. deal with what's going on inside of you and basically weakness. It's a it's a right. form of weakness. Okay. And so I just remember, like he he, I could tell with everything that he was saying, he was very against this idea that depression was even a thing. Wow. Okay. And so I just remember, like, okay, don't ever bring that up again. That was not fun. <laughs> and well, so did I you
0: choose to go to dad and not mom
1: um so with my mom being in her wheelchair I had never really had a very close relationship with my mom
0: yeah. my
1: earliest memories of her um I remember really wanting to make her smile I remember yeah. just I wish that I could see her smile and I I would try like I put on these little puppet shows and I remember like trying to just do whatever I could to see her smile and she would put up with it and I could feel that that she was oh, putting she up with it.
0: Right right right.
1: But then as soon as dad would come home from work, she I could just feel a sense of relief come over her and she would always say, "Can you please get Wanda out of the room and you come in here and talk with me?" and,
0: oh, and so well. I could yep. I just
1: well, I always guess. felt like something about me was not comforting for her. And there's, there's lots of things that could go into that. And the biggest reason I feel like is really just her as a mom. I think she felt, um, I was a constant reminder of she wasn't able to do all the things that she wanted to do as a mom. She, she was a sewer. She painted, she did all of these things. Um, and along with her, um, ability to walk going away her left side also completely stopped working well for the most part so she couldn't use her left side of her body to do things and and so I think it was just you know as parents we think oh I need to get off the couch and I need to play with my kid or I should be doing that over there with them and I should be doing this and she felt that shoulds all the time building up inside of her and because that's so loud and that's so real Um, And she couldn't do it. She felt like she couldn't do anything about it. She didn't realize at the time, I think that just, I was, I was thrilled to just be in the same room with her. I didn't need her to cook meals or to play with me on the floor. Like, I just wanted to be there with Mm -hmm. her. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it that distance was really just her own frustration yeah. with her own limitations. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: but I definitely did not understand that as a kid, as a yeah. kid, it felt very much like um, it, well, it felt like it was, I was the problem again, but also I watched my, my story of how I came into this world change a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I was born into a Christian home but as, as I grew, my parents, I watched their frustration with God, bro. Hmm. And to this day, I have no idea what their belief is, if they still believe in God or not. But, um, uh, while I was with them, their relationship with God was getting more and more and more distant okay. and they were getting more and more frustrated because they really believed that my mom would regain her ability to walk, that she would be okay. And that life could go back to normal and, and when that didn't happen, like they were understandably frustrated and, right. and concerned and questioning everything they thought they knew. And um, and so with that, though, I was born and my my birth story was kind of this. We didn't want any more kids. The doctor said that we should get operations done so I couldn't have more kids. But we just felt like God wanted us to keep having kids. We felt like that was the right thing to do. And so they got pregnant again, and that was me. And then when I came into the world, it brought a whole lot of repercussions for her health. Um, And so at first it was, you were worth it. At first the story was, God blessed us with an amazing human and a baby, and we just hoped that this was worth it. But then as their resentment towards God grew... It really, for me, it truly felt like their resentment towards me grew. They right. saw me as that symbol of, and, and they they never acknowledged that or, and I don't know if they feel that that is what they did, but that's what it felt like on my end
0: right.
1: was that because the story changed. If I asked to go play, if I asked to go outside, if I asked to do anything ever besides just cleaning in school or helping my little siblings. It was always this, why are you so selfish? Don't you know what mom gave up for you? You should be happy to do what we ask and never want anything. Wow. And so it it really changed from this um this story of understanding of like you were a blessing into our life to mm. you are the problem. We gave up everything for you. You should be okay giving up right. everything for our family.
0: Wow. That that's that's a big burden to be carrying. Yeah. So when you were around 17 and you talked to your dad and dad said, don't talk about depression, what did you do from there?
1: Um, so <laughs> I and and to go back a little bit, I was mm-hmm. nine years old, uh, Yeah, about nine years old, the first time that I had tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, I had tried several other times, all of the times I never fully went through with the plan. Mm-hmm. And this is a a part of my story that's very dear to me. Because I was very bullied for my beliefs and my standards as far as a Christian and believing mm-hmm. in God and right. um and so my my experiences with trying to commit suicide only strengthened my relationship with my heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ that they loved me, and it was this very um just close intimate feeling that would come over me before I would actually go through with it with. I will be here to catch you if you go through with this, but please (laughs) don't Wow. please. I have so much waiting for you.
0: Right.
1: And so, and it was that, that belief that there was more waiting for me that somehow there was this feeling of love that I never knew. And there was these people Mm. that needed me. And and so that was really what kept me holding on. So when I was 17 and, and he said, no, like I was pretty used to my dad responding to any of my ideas okay. as that's crazy well, you, and out bad. there. Yeah. So that wasn't. It was just the default. I just like again closed off, shut down, don't right. open up. Just right. tried right. to um, do it myself. Um, so nothing really happened until uh, after I got married, and oh boy, my my
0: <laughs> dating oh,
1: <no. laughs> dating was uh, it was hard. <laughs> but um after I got married it was then that I started talking to my husband more about can I go to a therapist and again I I felt like I had to ask permission for everything at that point yeah yeah and so I was like can I can I go to therapy do you think this is a good idea is this something and he was very it was something totally new to him too at the time and he had no idea and we were both very very young yeah and but he's like well I think this we could at least look into it i don't know what's the harm in that so he was very open to great. new ideas right um so that's when it started that's when i started getting like professional help and going to therapy and stuff and and that was a roller coaster in of itself just mm. because um when you for anybody listening that doesn't know the process of, of getting help for depression so you go to therapy and if their diagnosis is okay let's put you on pills let's Uh, get you more medical help then you get on a pill and you have to wait for a month so you're already living in hell because Mm -hmm. of the dark depression that's over you and then you have to wait a month trial to see if the pill works Mm -hmm. and so you have to like for me I was holding on by a thread like every day I just I just didn't want to be here and so for a month long through that process. And then at the end of the month, you start to get symptoms, whether they're good or bad, that will, you'll be able to determine on your own. And so every single time I would wait a month and then I would start to get terrible side effects from these pills, just absolutely terrible side effects. And, um, some of them were like, I I hated any kind of touch and I had a new baby and I had my husband, I hated touch. I hated just being close to people. And some of them, there was a lot of very damaging physical side effects where I I could not eat anything without it, um, without throwing it up. And so there was, there was so many things that just kept happening. And so then you can't just stop a pill though, because it, it could send your body into um, I can't think of the exact word, but it could negatively affect your body. So you have to wean yourself off that pill and then you have to try a new pill and go through that whole process again and it's so draining and it's so tiring. And I, yeah. ah, my heart goes out to those who are still in that process.
0: Well, thank you. You know, thank you for at least explaining that process. Cause I've been through that too. And the pills aren't always the answer no. as we've learned. And, uh-huh. so, yeah. and,
1: and the thing too, with pills, I'm, I finally, after, after six years of that process, oh, oh my that. goodness, six years, we finally found a pill that worked. And I was so excited. It was like the first time I felt just at a, what's the word, like a a baseline. I didn't feel down, but I didn't feel good, but it felt like I could maintain at least something. And, um, but that only lasted for about six months.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then, um, I, that pill actually did a ton of havoc on my body and i ended up in the hospital for several weeks oh my
0: goodness
1: anyways that was that was not fun either and so then oh. i went right back into the roller coaster again of, of trying to figure out what to do and um and during this whole time we were having kids and i'm like you're
0: trying to work on a marriage it's like whoa you know? uh,
1: i i really do believe that god had his hands and everything oh
0: yeah he was there
1: <laughs> there's no way but um so yeah, that that pill though for those 6 months I felt like even though it wasn't the answer mm-hmm. it at least helped me to get my head up above water like I just took a, a breath for a moment and yes. that spark that was like if I could feel that much differently can't mm-hmm. I feel more different?
0: Yep. And that was, was in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a silver lining and all that is you knew you could do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so that was that was kind of my driving force and um, the last, like, I, I finally, I had gone through every single pill and medication that the doctors could throw at me. And I had gone through it for eight years and therapy and all the things and in and out of hospitals. And at the end of that, they're like, we have nothing else to give you. And you're still suicidal. You're like, their solution was let's put you in the hospital and keep you there until hopefully it gets better. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's not living and I have kids and I don't want to do that. And, and I had been, um, in a hospital for a little bit. So in this journey, um, somebody prescribed me as anorexic. And so they put me in a, in hospice care for that. And that was the most humiliating experience I've ever gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, just because they, and Like I can see both sides. There is good to it and I don't want to bash on it, but the, because there are people that are getting help there, Right, right. but the hard thing about it mostly was just that you have no privacy. You have no say on your own mental um, capacity and what you're supposed to think or feel or do or Mm. the time of day that you have. Yeah. And that's what I've realized that that was helpful in the sense that it helped me see when I had less control, like I thought that's what I wanted. I thought I wanted everybody yeah, else to make my decisions. Right. right and right. I wanted like, you tell me when to eat, you tell me when to do this. Yeah. You tell me when to, but as soon as it was like law that they had to tell me what to yeah. do and I had to do it,
0: you were controlled. You,
1: that, yeah. that felt even, that felt way worse. It yeah. felt hopeless. Like right. I finally right. had this packet of hope yeah. and that was taken away. So, um, so now I had the silver lining of, right. okay, maybe I can feel something different. Right, right. And then I had the understanding of, I don't want to just forget about myself. I don't want to lose myself and do what everybody else wants. And and it kind of goes back to that people pleasing. Yeah. Like I wanted to within myself know how, how to govern myself, how to right. understand and how to feel different. And, uh-huh. and so um, I finally, I started doing things that, some of the therapists had counseled me to do, and I was unwilling to do before, which was um my actions mm-hmm. so um as a kid, I loved my parents I, I my biggest ambition was just to make them proud and right. I saw how much they sacrificed and I never wanted to hurt them um but there was a lot of abuse that happened growing up. there was mm-hmm. a lot of things that that kids should never go through right and um so those thoughts and those feelings were constantly at the back of like, constantly, I could never escape the memories of my past. Right. And um, a lot of PTSD. so uh, I finally said, Okay, these things are always with me. And I need to know, like, I put, I put my whole life and my control in the hands of my parents and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And I just want to please them so much. And so if they really like, care about me, if this is really a dynamic, a good relationship, then I will be able, when they come to me and share their problems, I love them. And I'm there. And if they tell me something I did wrong, like, okay, I want to change, I want to fix it. Let's it. If this is a mutual relationship, then I can be able to go to them and I can trust them with what's going on with me. And they should be able to reciprocate Mm -hmm.
0: that. Good for you. And
1: so but I knew I knew that wasn't what's going to happen. I was like, from past experiences, mm-hmm. they will shun me, they will give me the silent treatment, they'll mm-hmm. probably even disown me, they'll probably separate from me altogether. And at that point, like my identity and my relationship was so intertwined with theirs. Like I I truly did not think I could be a human being, a a, a human being of value without them.
0: Like, even I, while you were married with kids. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I,
1: I definitely felt like they are the best this world has to offer. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have connection to them, I have nothing, I have no value, I have Mm -hmm. no worth. And so knowing that if I brought something up, I would be losing that, I probably would be losing that relationship made me feel like I have seriously sunk to the lowest of low because I have no worth already. And now I'm the only worth I have, which is my connection to my family is also going to go away. And I'm willing to do that. What's wrong with me? Um, So I did, I took it to them and I went to my parents and my siblings who had abused me. And um, when I went to them, it was very surprising. uh, And I won't go into the details just, Mm Because it I understand it and I, I don't mind talking with people intimately about it, but they're still my family. There's still people that I of
0: course. I, of course. I
1: understand their side. So but when I went to them, the main theme that I saw was at first they had changed enough that they wanted to be accepting. They wanted to Work through this in a, in some form, and that was very encouraging. It was like, okay, we made progress like it yeah. wasn't perfect. there was things that said that hurt me, and i'm I'm sure that the conversation hurt them too and and so, but I felt like at least we got somewhere at least mm. it wasn't this hopeless thing and i and I had this like hope a, a brighter like momentum of course and the next time I called them, everything had changed oh boy, like they had. Spread rumors about me they they were not willing to talk to me about certain things that they were saying things that I did that I didn't do, and all, all of this stuff just started swirling and and it made me realize that every every time it, it was just like a deja vu the whole experience yeah. every time that I would go to them about something I was hurting with, it was constantly flipped back on me of I can't believe you're such a terrible person. That you would be hurt by that kind of a idea, mm,
0: okay. And
1: so, anyways, um, we, we broke off contact. And at first, I was like, my my mom, um, she would she would call me up and say some really hurtful things just out of the blue. Just call me up to let me know that I'm, uh, <laughs> that I wasn't doing good, basically. I won't won't share those conversations, but, um, so anyway, she would call me up and these conversations, I was just trying to put my world together. I was trying to figure out everything. And then randomly she would call me to tell me I'm doing terrible at life. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to block everybody for a month. I'm just going to, I'm going to block everything and get clear on what the heck is supposed to happen now. And it after that month, I unblocked them. I started calling to like, okay, I got a breather. My head's a little bit more clear. I want to work things out. Like, what can Thank we do? God. And and nobody answered their phone. Not one person was willing to. Um, well, I guess one, per- one of my brothers, he did. And the only thing that he said was that he never wanted to see me again, unless I could say what had happened never happened. And... I couldn't do that. No. And that was, that was one of the hardest. Like now I look back on that and I, oh man, I just, I hope he gets out of that dark space yeah, because
0: we're, we're just, at
1: that point, like that was earth shattering to me. I I yeah. had no idea what life would look like after that. Yeah. But now that I'm like, life is so good now. Life, awesome. Like Great to hear. waves and waves and waves of depression started coming off so quickly after yeah. that. And it was because yeah. like, it wasn't. Yes, the influences in our life do have impact in that area of right. how we're doing, mm-hmm. but I truly believe it wasn't because of them near as much as it was. Yeah. I was finally showing up yeah. as me. I was finally
0: mm-hmm. being
1: like, this is this is who I am. This is mm-hmm. what hurts. This isn't okay with me. I don't mm-hmm. understand this. And,
0: yeah. Yeah, and it was, was because- from within. You did. You were healing from within. That's the way to do it. Good job. Good for you. So you're you're thriving now, and I am so happy for you. Tell tell us a little about what you're what what your mission in life is now what you're doing you're doing some great things talk about
1: yeah so right now well my mission in life is to just heal families heal parents help them feel like they're capable again and they're doing enough and like if i could have gone back and done anything for my family it would have been helping my parents see that they were enough that they didn't need to provide more that i was i constantly let them know that i was grateful for what they were doing And every single time I cried, they constantly said, why are you not grateful for what we're doing? And so there was like, I know that they didn't feel that because of what I said. They felt Uh that because they were already dishing that out on themselves. So I just I want parents to know how good they're doing and it doesn't do them or their kids any good to beat themselves up. And I also want to help kids know that they are valued, that they are capable, that they're amazing human beings that are not there for their parents to mold into this perfect human, that they have influence that is needed in the home Mm -hmm. and that don't give that up, like stand your ground and be confident in who you are because every human's incredible. So right now what I'm doing is I'm a parenting coach and I help successful entrepreneurs who have also struggled with depression and either them or their spouse or their children. And they're trying to learn the dynamics of that and how to not live in that world anymore. And from my own personal experience, I know step-by-step step exactly how to, how to help your mind right. create patterns. So you can not just, not just live and survive and be a productive human, but love life again and just <laughs> yep. take control of your own life. So that's what I do now.
0: Uh, that That's absolutely wonderful um i am just so happy with your your entire transition and actually people are so much better off with you being who you are than what you were pretending to be and um so i'm i'm thrilled for you wanda uh i could talk to you forever uh we're going to i'm going to give you t- i have two final questions and the first one is that you are sitting down with that Beautiful, lovely, seven to ten year old Wanda, who we just learned about, and you want to give her some advice on life. What would you? What do you think you'd tell her?
1: I wouldn't give her any advice. I would just hold her. I'd just love her. Um, she had enough. Enough of people trying to make her better. Uh, I would just
0: that's let her know
1: that I'm grateful for all that she is doing.
0: <laughs> that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. All right. Put a different hat on, and now you're sitting with young Wanda, the businesswoman, entrepreneur, just starting out. How about some business, whether it's advice or just hugging her? It's fine. Um, what, what what do you talk to her about launching her business career?
1: Um, I would again. I think I would just hold her hand and reassure her that you know this is going to work you know that this is a healing process you like there were so many times at the beginning of my journey where I felt so guilty for sharing anything about my story even though there were real things that happened and situations it still felt so wrong to talk about it it just felt terrible and so I think I would really just go back and been like it is going to work like just keep believing it is going to work Um, the biggest piece of advice would just probably be that things that I was already learning, like truth is truth. And it doesn't matter if we live our life based off of whether or not it might offend somebody, we will never do anything because anything we do can offend somebody. Like I, there is no way to live life without offending someone. You have to live life off of truth if you can stand on truth, be confident in what you're doing. If it is out of love and out of goodness and out of truth, it's, a, it's going to create good in the world. So keep going.
0: <laughs> I love that, Wanda, because the, the, the truth is, haters will always hate. No matter what we do, we're going to be judged. So you may as well just go be who you are, right? Your, your authentic self consistently. And, yeah. and actually that's what you're going to be speaking to uh, my men's group about that tomorrow. Okay. And I'm like so excited. Uh, all right. So I can guarantee you the audience wants, will want to get more of, of Wanda Howard. Uh, please let us know how we can reach out to you and, and um, you know, get in touch with you.
1: Yeah. So there's two ways. One, just go to wandahoward.com, and um, you can find me there. You, well, and I guess you can also get a hold of me on social media at WandaHoward.live. Um, but another way is I have a podcast as well. And it's where I am constantly interviewing successful parents, parents who have a successful business and successful family life, because I think that is what we we constantly pull ourselves short of. We can't do it all. But there are people who are doing it all and their relationships at home are thriving. So we talk about their traditions on there and and what they do specifically that's different and how they do it. And, and so there's lots of amazing gold nuggets there for people that they can come and just discover more what they can do instead of feeling like they're never doing enough, start to identify the things that they are doing right. And so definitely come and check out that podcast.
0: Well, I can attest to firsthand how wonderful your podcast successful parents is you you were kind enough to have me on and uh it is an awesome awesome listening um experience so i definitely uh definitely uh we'll, we'll put that in the show notes too how how people you know what platform they could listen to that on wanda thank you so much for coming on you are a true friend i am so happy and grateful that you're in my life and and we we met for a reason and keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you are an amazing inspiration to everybody. And thanks again for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity, and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, Please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at Drew at ProfitCompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.